Welcome back to another episode of the 704 Forecast. I'm your host, Matt Wood. Joining me is Wes Harrison and Corey Adams. Guys, it seems like the uh, coaching search is winding down. The second leg of interviews, the second round of interviews started today for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it was kicked off last night by Steve Wilkes um, late Tuesday night and followed up by Kellen Moore and Frank Reich getting their second interviews today. Guys, it seems like that's all the candidates that are going to be in the building uh, this second go-round. It seems like Shane Steichen is not going to get that call back by all reports. His uh, virtual interview did not go as well as one had hoped. I know we were pretty high on him after, uh, well, during uh, when Ben Johnson was still a candidate before he just pulled out for whatever reason to return back to Detroit. So uh, we got a lot to break down today. Uh, seems like a decision could happen as early as tomorrow. I'm not going to say it's going to happen tonight, uh, but by all accounts, um, Thursday or Friday, we should know who the next coach is. Guys, how are you? And give us some opening thoughts. Uh, doing all right. A uh, little disappointed with where we've gotten. Um, was as as you guys probably know from last episode, we were high on Ben Johnson. Really, kind of upset that he pulled out and Steichen was kind of our, our secondary option to him and, and to hear that he didn't interview well. Um, that's a, a little odd given that the, we're watching what he's doing in Philly and, and, and that, that, that does suck. Um, I really want to know what it was. The thing that, that sit, that has, keeps sitting with me all day is that he must've been very um, adamant on a specific quarterback or a specific coordinator or whatever that didn't sit well with with Scott Tepper somebody um but yeah here we are uh I definitely prefer one of these three candidates to the others we'll t we'll get into that a little bit more yeah um we went from no news uh, nothing really happening um we knew there was going to be a second round of interviews that got tweeted out I think on you know late last week and then boom, today, it just like hit us, like all all three, like right in a row um, that you know, they were doing Kellen Moore. Um, they kept Kellen Moore overnight and, and then the tweets just started flying. Um, really, it was it was an exciting day. Um, but like Wes said, um, a little bit disappointing um, from my standpoint uh, on, on Steichen. Um, doesn't, I, and nothing's official yet, obviously, but does not appear that he's going to get a, a second in-person interview. Um, and that's disappointing. Um, he was, he was my guy initially. Uh, I kind of fell in love with Ben Johnson um, late last week. Um, and then I just want to clarify something to some weird fans out there on Twitter. Ben Johnson did not turn the Panthers down. He turned every team down. Okay. He interviewed like once and decided, Hey, I'm, got a good thing going to Detroit. It might be the best thing for me to go back, make some more money and, and continue to build what they've got going up there in Detroit, which um, is on the up and up. So he didn't just turn the Panthers down. Neither did D'Amico Ryans. It was a logistical thing. Like you guys that are putting that out there, whoever's tweeting that, that is ridiculous. Just stop. All right. That's all I would say. That, that's, that's dumb. But other than that, um, it's good to gain some clarity um, through this, it's felt like the longest process ever. And maybe that's just me being an impatient fan, ready to get something, you know, concrete and in stone and focus on the draft. Um, but this new 
the new hiring process, the new rules and regulations and the longer season, it's just felt like it's dragged and dragged, which I guess is a good thing because it means they're doing their homework. So, but it, the tea leaves are starting to form and uh, the dust is starting to settle. So that's good. Yeah, I know a lot of people are relieved that the uh, Sean Payton interview didn't didn't go as as planned. What a saga! <laughs> At this point, it seems like he's headed back to the broadcast booth. He's headed back to Fox. Well, I mean, you know, can you really blame teams when you know you, the Saints are standing firm with their asking price, obviously, of a first round pick, and you know it's kind of hard to be a team that's in the market for a coach and give up your first round um, pick and asset to get a coach that is probably going to want that pick for quarterback. So well, that's the, that's the other thing about Sean Payton is you got to think, you know, are you, first you got to give up the, the compensation it's going to take to get him, And then secondly, he's looking for um, control of the organization. And also he's trying to become the highest paid coach. I mean, in the, the market out there, you really have to justify, Hey, who am I potentially bidding against? And in this case, is probably yourself. And and to that point, I don't care what Tepper pays a coach. It doesn't count against the salary cap. It's not my money. It's not my bottom line trying to be met. But the, the picks is where the, the, the sticking point is and should be for everyone involved. Um, I don't know what it looks like for him next year. Uh, with That was when he was supposed to no longer be under contract with him. He's free. Yeah, so, he so whatever. We obviously won't be looking for a coach next year, barring some wild, unforeseen circumstance. But any team should just pick someone else. And and to be honest, for for Sean, he shouldn't draft strap himself right. right away either. He should just wait a year. It's 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 almost bad for him to for that to happen. And then some owner will throw him a bag next year. Yeah, and I, I will want to say too, like give props or they're due and kudos to Tepper for, you know, he gets shit on a lot. And I would say kudos to Tepper for not like just giving him anything he wants and giving the saints whatever they want just to get a coach. You know, I think a lot of fans thought that might happen um, myself included for a while. So um, kudos to him for uh, standing strong and doing what was best for the team uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, people don't don't hesitate to uh, shit on Dave. Uh, the stuff about his wife came out this week about her not going through the proper training to sit in on interviews, and and Scott may have snitched on uh, on everybody by mistake. But uh, I mean, it was funny that the Panthers said it. Yeah, she completed the training. Maybe it just wasn't turned in uh, correctly. I mean, all the paperwork wasn't filed. I mean, who knows? But I I hope we don't lose a pick or something. Don't yeah, it'd be it'd be very dumb to do. I think that for all the, and you know, he deserves, you know, a lot of the vitriol he gets, Tepper, and some of the moves and decisions he's made. But I think that at its core, he wants to win, you know. And I, I think that once he gets more seasoning in this league and makes more mistakes, I hate to put it that way, but, you know, he's going to learn – how to win because I, I do think it matters to him and that that's that that's the first step and, and I think he's gonna keep trying until he gets it right and you know I'll take that when an owner rather than having an apathetic owner. So 
Yeah, I mean, you think I think Dave's kind of learned from the last go around with Rule. I mean, it helps to have you know, the Scott and Samir and uh, you know even Nicole Tepper and I think there was one other person that's on the the interview committee um, that's that's been going around and, and conducting these. But he's uh, he's learned from the Rule situation. You know, first off, it probably helps having Scott around instead of Marty. You know, just a kind of a walking corpse and a a, a yes man really. Um, but thinking back to that that uh, hiring cycle, um, well, I mean, Rule was hired before the national championship game even happened, and now we're almost we're a week away from February, and we still don't have a head coach. So I mean, yeah. you know, hats off to being thorough. I know people made jokes about well, uh, what happened to it being a small list and not being a large list. Hey, I, I don't have a problem with that. He 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 did a good job, you know, going through the process and. Uh, he's whittled it down, and now he's trying to lean a little bit more on experience versus, you know, the potential offensive coordinator, the young up-and-coming guy. I mean, Kellen Moore's still there. And, Corey, to your point, yesterday when the Kellen Moore stuff was breaking, uh, yeah, there was one report that uh, it had con- it had concluded, and then uh, start to, some tweets came out that uh, it hadn't actually. It was still going over, and he was still in the building. And then he stayed overnight and knocked out the second one today. I mean, that was not something not to pay attention to. Um that right there showed you that they were serious, and I had a feeling that he would probably get called back. I just didn't think it would be, you know, this this soon. But obviously, they narrowed their their candidates and are not wasting any time getting after it. I think that we probably are all in agreement on, you know, of the three listed about which direction we would like to go in. But um, well, you'll find out here in the next thirty forty five minutes as we break these guys down a little bit. Can I just say, like, this is like. This whole process is like the one that fascinates me the most. Like I love the draft, but if I could ever gain like behind the scenes access, it would be to these coaching search situations. I just want to know what goes on in those rooms. You know, I just want to know what that process looks like, like what that interview looks like. I think that's just so fascinating and I wish we had more access to it. Obviously we'll never get that, but that would be so cool to me to see this all unfold behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, Bill Voth has done a great job with the draft coverage that they've been providing over the last couple of years, so that would be a, a cool take on it. Obviously, we're not going to see that, but it, it's cool to think about, right? Cool to talk about? Yeah, definitely. And I'll add this. If the list hadn't been as extensive as it was, we might be sitting here with just one candidate left um, with the Steichen interview being bad. Because by all accounts, the top five original list didn't include Kellen Moore or Frank Reich. So I think I think Frank Reich had was probably more serious behind the scenes than anybody reported or thought, you know, I mean, he, he checks a lot of the boxes. So has ties to the organization. Uh, his daughter now works for the team, as we talked about, I think, on the last episode. Um, his brother coaches at Wingate. I think he's been there 22 years. Frank has a home here still in the Charlotte area. Uh, that he spends the off seasons at or, or did uh, when he was coaching. So, I mean, he's got ties. And then, uh, obviously, he was the first quarterback in Panthers history. So, you know, there's there's the appeal and plus the, the offensive side of the ball. I mean, he, he, brings, he brings that to the team too. Yeah. So, I mean, that right there, it, I mean, we can get into Frank. I mean, because he's probably the one that we'll spend the most amount of time on. But, obviously, we've kind of led into that. But, um, I mean – 
say Frank Reich is named head coach later this week. I mean, how do, how do you guys feel compared to where we were with potentially looking at Ben Johnson or Shane Steichen being the next guy? I mean, we go the opposite direction with a 61, 62-year-old head coach that was let go by the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts and that clusterfuck of a situation. I'll feel better still than I would if it was Wilkes. Um, and and our my qualms with with appointing Wilkes have been well noted so far. But um, it it's a to me it's still a step down from from Ben or Shane. But I, I mean I think people also give Reich a bad rap for for the indie situation. Um, but when you take a step back and look at it, it's not he didn't do a bad job there. He kind of got handed some pretty shit situations had different quarter four different quarterbacks over his tenure there i believe uh andrew luck jacoby Brissett, uh matt ryan philip rivers five and if you want to throw sam ellinger in there and carson wentz carson so five and now six ellinger so i mean he ran he had uh, not a great situation there so and still managed a winning record for his time so yeah, I mean, he was a play away from the AFC Championship game with Philip Rivers. So, yeah, yeah. So, the, and the, and the arguably the craziest, arguably the craziest owner situation out there besides Jerry too. Jerry obviously is a different situation altogether. But uh, besides that, I think the worst owner situation. Agreed. Maybe Dan Snyder. I don't know. Oh yeah, he's up there. He's in the top three. Ursay is a, is a is a walking cokehead, <laughs> and he's he's still pushing for Jeff Saturday, and the front office is like hell no. Could could you to that point? Could you imagine Ursay and Sean Payton in the same like? <laughs> Somebody better better lock up the the, the cabinet. <laughs> I know he was never linked to them, but that'd have been hilarious. <sighs> Well, with Frank, um, uh, obviously there was a trend that we talked about last podcast with it was being offensive guys, and um, you know he is an offensive guy. It'll be the first if he does in fact get hired, which I think at this point it looks like he's the guy. Um, you know, it it would be the first offensive head coach we've ever had, um, and you know that's obviously exciting. Um, Frank Reich did an outstanding job as an OC in Philly, um, you know, taking uh, Nick Foles led Eagles to, to a Super Bowl win over the Patriots. Um, that's something to sneeze at. Um, that's the reason he got the job in Indy um, and did a great job in Indy. Um, and it'd be fascinating to know how that dynamic worked. Um, I think the one that you can lay at his feet is definitely Carson Wentz. Um, but, you know, why not take a guy, take a chance on a guy that you brought into the league and you had playing at an MVP level before he got hurt? I mean, that seems like a no-brainer if, if the front office is dictated they're not going to spend assets and trade up for a quarterback. Um, I think that was a, a, a good risk to take. And I think, unfortunately, he got the blame and was kind of the, um, the, the sacrifice for, for that uh, bad decision that didn't work out. Um, Frank Reich is older. Um, he's not one of these new, like, hot shots, like, you know, in the spread all the time, going to throw it 50 times a game, um, even though he can. Um, and um, he's going to run the ball, which, you know, Panthers fans like. But like I tweeted about this week, 
I don't hate running the ball. I hate archaically running the ball. Like when we run the ball this past offseason, we just added an extra tackle, put Cade Mays at fullback, then, you know, we're just going to run it right at you. You know, Frank's going to um, use motions. Um, he's going to use counters um, and in different ways to get people in space and gain leverage um, by moving people around um, and using different formations to run um, out of. And that's what you have to do in a league that's filled with the best athletes on the face of the planet. You have to gain leverage in creative ways to run the football effectively. So, you know, that, that, that's going to be a huge, huge, huge um, change um, for the better in on this team. And I'm excited about that. Um, I think it's upgraded completely on that side of the ball. Um, my biggest thing is who is he going to bring in at the OC? And honestly, you know, this kind of might be overblown a little bit just because he does call the plays. Um, and he's called the plays as a head coach, you know, every year with the Colts. Um, Sirianni in Philly, he, he didn't call plays in, in Indianapolis. It was it was Reich. Um, now, some people might say, oh, well, it looks like it's time to, to change that up. But, I mean, when you look at what he was dealt with at quarterback and was that Ballard, was that him, who knows? So, um, in my opinion, um, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. I will put it at that. I will be cautiously optimistic with Frank Reich as the, the next Panthers head coach. Um, I think the hirings on the defensive side of the ball and the staff he puts together will be the test of, 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 you know, going forward on how excited I can get. Corey, you trying to tell me that you don't have to run the ball on first down? You do not, despite what, <laughs> despite what uh, you might've been led to believe for the past 20 years of your Panther fanhood, you do not have to run the ball in first down. It is not required. All right. Just so we're clear. Uh, I will say, touch on one thing on Frank Reich. I did see a stat today that uh, in his nine years as either an offensive coordinator or a head coach, four of those he had a uh, a top five or top ten offense in the league and also a, a top uh, scoring offense in the league as well. And, so I, you know, and, uh, you know and, and I mean, I think he had maybe – he had good T.Y. Hilton for what, maybe one or two years – yeah, I mean, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't call Indianapolis like loaded offense. I mean, yeah, Johnny Taylor's a fucking great running back, but I wouldn't call them just, you know, like they're not the Eagles this year, you know? So. No, and and the one year that uh, Wright did get with Wentz in Indianapolis, he threw for 27 touchdowns and had seven interceptions. And yeah. Jonathan Taylor led the league in rushing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's. I don't. I wouldn't say offense was a problem. Yeah, Wentz, you know, wasn't, you know, what they had hoped down the stretch, and they ended up missing the playoffs by losing to the Jaguars. But you know, it's not like he went to Indianapolis and couldn't put up points or couldn't run a high, you know, su highly successful offense. But it, but it's tough. I mean, we know it. I mean, when you have a revolving door at quarterback, it's tough to win in this league. It is and. If there is another stat that kind of like makes me raise my eyebrows a little bit, you know, he was 0-5 against Jacksonville, which is wild, <laughs> wild. But, um, you know, that must win playoff game week, week, what, the last week of the season last year. That was that was rough. And, you know, you can put that on Wentz. You can put, I, you know, he, it, it, that's tough. 
and uh, I hope that we show up in big games. That's all I'll say. Yeah, and, and before anybody comes for me, which I, I know they will after that last comment uh, that I made, yes, I understand that, that Wilkes also had a revolving door at quarterback this season between, you know, with what we had with, with Sam, uh, PJ, Jacob Eason even got thrown in there, Baker. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. And, and Wilkes managed to go 500. I completely get it. But at the same point in time, you know, you if you listen to us, if you follow us, you know how we feel when it comes to offense and, and defense. And unfortunately, in Steve Wilkes' case, he's a defensive coordinator that's never ran a top of the league uh, defense. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, the the when we were top of the league was when he was on the staff, the coordinator who is now in in Buffalo. So. Yeah, I think he was a secondary coach. Yeah. And then he took over that, and then he got the promotion, and then Eric Washington came in here, and that's when everything definitely fell apart. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we, by – go ahead, Wes. I was saying, and we had a very good defense this year. Top ten, but not even top five. Now, now so. take that defense and throw a, throw a Vic Fangio on it. Not saying that – I mean, we've interviewed him, but not saying that he would come here with, with either of these pairings, but – you know that that would be the dream, right? And Corey, I know that you're high on Fangio. I, th- I absolutely love Fangio. I think right now, dream scenario with what's left would be Reich and Fangio with whoever he wants to bring it OC at that point, because we know he's going to control that anyway. I, I said this to you guys earlier this morning, but how would you feel if um, if Reich brought in Matt Nagy? Not. Great. You know, and that's that's tough, right? Because you know, obviously Matt Nagy got hired as a head coach for a reason, and he was, for all intents and purposes, a good OC. But we don't know if he was a good OC in KC because Andy Reid calls the plays. But you know, he was a part of some really good offenses, and, and you know, he did. People do forget he did have Chicago in the playoffs his first two years. So. Um, yeah, I wouldn't love it. <laughs> no, I'm going to be honest. I, I I can dress it up all I want, but I wouldn't love it. I, when you when you look around, it's tough to kind of pinpoint what direction they would go on that side of the ball, right? Like he had um, he had Gus Bradley as as his old defensive coordinator too. So I mean, that could be a name of somebody that he could bring with him if he if he ends up getting the job. It's just Reich's. I guess the guys that he's coached with have basically moved into head coaching roles at this point in time. Or retired. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, maybe it's – maybe – and see, this is something, you know, maybe he pitched some really good names, some names that people wouldn't expect in his meeting. Maybe that was what is pushing him over the edge was a willingness to adapt and change and, and bring new faces in and, and you know, re, remold him himself and his staff, you know. We don't know, and we won't know until he's ultimately hired and the staff's put together. But all we can do is speculate. And, you know, obviously he sold something good to them, right? Obviously he turned some heads in that room, and that's promising. So, Yeah, it was, I think, last week when Sheena, Sheena Quick was the first person to, to comment on Reich's uh, interview and said how well it went. He, he was uh, impressive. So – 
you know, it, it, that kind of flew under the radar with how busy last week was with the Ben Johnson stuff and then, uh, you know, everything else going on with the Sean, in Sean Payton land and then uh, Anton Wilkes, uh, or Walk, excuse me, uh, tragically passing away. That, that took uh, Dave Tepper out of the picture for a few days. So, you know, uh, I, if I had to guess, I would say something probably gets done by Friday. I would be surprised, honestly, if there's nothing that comes out tomorrow because – as far as we know, there's no more candidates. There's no more interviews. You would think they're probably reconvening today after everything completed or definitely will tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll reach out to agents and try to s discuss numbers, I'm guessing. Uh, if I had to say, though, I mean, whoever gets hired is probably not – you're not going to get that six- or seven-year deal that Tepper was handing out uh, last time. You'll probably be looking at like a four- or five-year deal, which is kind of in line with what Ron got when he got hired here. And speaking of that, we we mentioned this the other day, but that 2010 coaching search that was just god awful. It was it was Ron, uh, Greg Minuski, Rob Ryan, and Perry uh, Fuel. From <laughs> I tell you what, Rob Ryan would have been funny though. <laughs> could you could you imagine yeah, Rob you Ryan? Imagine, with... Yeah, and Cam. <laughs> <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he he could have he could have held that locker room together at all. So, I mean, that's just a mess. But hey, that 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 was Marty for you, Marty Meatballs, and uh, Jared uh, Jared Richardson. Yeah, good old boys. Jeans Fridays. That's it. God. <laughs> um. Do we? I mean, do we want to talk about the rest of these guys? Any any more thoughts on Frank Reich? I. I I mean as as we've stated that Frank is our clear top choice of what's left mainly because he's the offensive guy with experience here. I Kellen Moore last offseason I would have loved that. I just am not as high on him this year and Wilkes again we'll get into. So there's a part of me that's just like if it was Wilkes it would have already been he would have already been named coach. I, yeah, I'm Maybe with you just there. Me looking at it wrong. I mean, I just, I just think that that's, you know, if you, if you knew, you knew. I mean, I don't think that you would go for a second round. Like, what else are you going to find out from Wilkes in, in this, this second round of interviews that you don't already know after watching him for 12 games and you know hearing his his plan last uh, or two weeks ago because he was one of the first names. I mean, I just, I, I think if he's your guy, then you just kind of say, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and stop this. We're going with this guy, and then you can start interviewing coordinators and. You know, going that direction. That's that's my thoughts. That's why I think it's going to be Reich. There was a lot of smoke. It started early this morning. It was just like Frank Reich, Frank Reich, Frank Reich. And, I mean, it, it hasn't gone away. I mean, you haven't heard that with, with Wilkes. It's just like, yeah, Wilkes is, is still there. He's still being considered. He made a, a good pitch as far as what his off offensive plans are. I, I don't know. It's just... It seems like, yeah, he has to be a finalist, and he he's definitely earned that. But I think if that he was the guy that you were going to go go forward with, then you would say, "Hey, I've heard all I needed to," and and that would have been that. So. Yeah, and to Corey's point, I wish we could be flies on the wall in, the, in these rooms and figure out what staff pitching, what quarterback they're pitching, what scheme they're. Pitching. I mean, because you know, just all of that. I, I would love to know what these guys are trying to pitch to Tepper, to Scott, to 
Nicole Tepper. <laughs> um, what, what, what are they telling old Nicole that, that, that gets them hired? She's like, I'm just here to make sure that this asshole doesn't write another $70 million check <laughs> for, for some jackass. That's probably what she's doing. No, I mean, but to make a point, like, so the list came out and we all looked at young offensive guys, but they all had the ties to the quarterback position. And then you look at, um, you know, Wilkes, uh, Evero. Was there any other defensive guys? That was just those two? They, they requested D'Amico, but that didn't work out. Right. And then Caldwell, you know, he was one of the first guys. So all offensive-minded, but the trend there was, hey, they have experience at quarterback. And so now you get to the finalist and who, who's there. It's Wilkes on defense. It's Reich, has ties to quarterback. And then Kellen Moore, former quarterback. I just – if that's what Tepper's wanted all along and he's wanted an offensive mind, I just don't know how he, at the end of the day, he says, I'm going to stick with Steve Wilkes. Yeah, I don't know. All right, shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about Kellen Moore. Uh, we won't talk about the final play from that San Francisco game. We'll not hold that against him. Uh, but this is a guy who had the top offense in the National Football League last year. We were the only team to reach out to interview uh, interview him. I mean, obviously he did pretty well if he came back for the second round. So uh, I, I don't think that he has a, a shot. Um, Ian Rappaport said he was flying home today. So Ian Rappaport actually also said that he thought it was down to just Reich and Wilkes. So, I mean, Moore seems to be up in limbo right now, but from all accounts he seems to, impressed, uh, seems to have impressed in his, uh, in his interviews. I mean – you think it would be the worst thing in the world? I mean, this is a guy who everybody was, you know, drooling over a couple of years ago, and he hasn't really done anything to hurt his stock. I mean, he's had a revolving door at offensive line. I mean, he's had Dak issues and Dak being hurt and still winning with Cooper Rush. Uh, lost Amari, dealing with Fat Zeke. Um, I mean, still, that offense really hasn't skipped a beat. I mean, the only thing going against him is inexperience with coaching just because he's only been an offensive coordinator for a couple of years. 34 years old. I mean, what are y'all's thoughts? I don't hate Kellen Moore. Um, I, like, I was huge on him last year. Um, and I think it's still, it's it's the negatives. It's kind of one of those, you have to wade through murky waters of a weird owner slash GM relationship, kind of the same as Reich. It's like you, you listen to people in the know talk about Kellen Moore's express behind the scenes that, you know, he's getting held back in a passing offensive standpoint because of Jerry's insistence on pounding the football with Zeke and running the ball. Um, and we know that Jerry is a meddling owner. He's the, his, his picture is in the dictionary beside the word meddling owner. So it would not surprise me at all if, if he is, has directives from Jerry on how to call offense. Um, so, you know, he, he did have – I think at times he does, you know, struggle finding ways to get his playmakers the ball, like C.C. C.D. Lamb. Um, but you can't argue with what he's done. Um, and outside of C.D. Lamb this year, there was nobody. Um, you know, Michael Gallup has been – you know, was hurt to start the year and hasn't done anything at all since he's been back. Um, he had Amari Cooper in C.D. last year, um, and they were number one. So um, – I think he, he – he, I wouldn't say he even had a bad year. He didn't have a bad year. He had a bad – or down year from what they were. Um, but he is really young. And um, 
I wouldn't have been mad if he would have got hired. It would have been another cautiously optimistic just to see how he takes command of a locker room um, and, you know, leads and puts a staff together being so young. Um, but, you know, all of these guys really outside of Steve Wilkes and Frank Reich were young. So that was all going to be the question for all of them. So um, it was a surprising name that got as much interest as he did. Honestly, I did not see that coming. Um, them keeping him overnight and, and getting a second interview today. That was uh, not what I was expecting at all. There was a second yesterday where I thought that they were going to come out and, and and say Kellen Moore had been hired with, with how that was going. I mean, anytime that a meeting says it's concluded and then it, it keeps going and going and going and then they ask him to stay overnight, I mean, right. usually that's, that's, that's signs that, that that momentum's headed in the right direction. So, you know, I, I don't know. Um, the West, what do you think? I think the fact that he got back on a plane today signals he's last in the race. Uh, don't know what would have changed from meeting one to meeting two to do that. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I agree on that, but that just that, that doesn't seem like I'm gonna sign a contract tomorrow type of behavior, um, or even this week or next week type of behavior. I think you stick around if, if you think there's even a 30, if you think you're even a, got that 33% chance in those final three guys, I think you stick around um, and, and, and kind of make it known that you're sticking around. So I, I, I love the offensive mind coach. I want that. But at this point I'd probably still rank him third just because Wilkes is a known, a known commodity at this point, commodity, I guess, is not necessarily the right word, but a known uh, – the word is escaping me. But Wilkes is – not what, what Wilkes is, we know it. I don't think we really fully know what Kellen Moore is yet. No. No, I mean, like Corey said, not with not with Jerry and, and not with uh, Mike McCarthy there. I mean, McCarthy's making sure he does everything not to get fired. So, I mean, I understand Moore's frustrations and then, you know – also, you've got you got Dak. I mean, he seems more like you know he's he's got that payday from Jerry. You know, we 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 saw some of the throws he was making in that San Francisco game. And Dallas has got some big decisions coming up. I mean, they got to figure out if they're going to be able to pay Tony Pollard, what they're going to do with Dalton Schultz. So, I mean, I see why Kellen Moore might be like, hey, you know, now's a, now's the time for me to jump. It's going to be a fascinating off season for a lot of teams. Nah, yeah, Dallas is is one to watch for sure. Um, you know, they get they they, they got to do something. I mean, you can't trot Noah Brown out there running opposite of of CD or you know Ty, you know, fresh fresh out of bed. Yeah, that's not going to do it. And if they lose Pollard, you know, then they're left with Zeke, and Zeke's talking about how now he'll take less money to come back to Dallas. Uh, but if they lose Schultz, I mean, they really got nobody as far as pass catchers except for CD. So I mean, that could be a team that's looking at. Drafting a, a wide receiver high in the draft. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Dallas is a, is a weird situation right now. I will say, if they were to hire Kellen Moore, I am all for bringing Tony Pollard here this this offseason. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think any, I, any of us will be mad at that. I, I I can't pay another running back. I can't do it. Not what well, not you, what pa- Pollard's going to be the one guy besides Barkley, obviously, of those names out there this year. I I can't. So the number two guy of the names out there, and I, I can't pay big money for a running back. There's anymore. legitimately 
10 guys, I think, in this in this uh, running back class that could sign somewhere and start immediately. So I, I'll be Would interested. Did you take Pollard over Jacobs? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I would too. I, that's that's yeah. the one. That, that's when I started to try and think down the list. It's Barkley. It's Pollard, and you can make the argument of Jacobs over Pollard. But I think I'd take Pollard. I I, I think you could get Pollard at a discount just based off of the broken leg, uh, in the in the NFC uh, division around this past weekend. So maybe maybe that. But I I think yeah. I mean, Jacobs has had some some injury issues in his past, and you know really hadn't. You know, had a, a breakout year until till this year. Honestly, oh. I mean, he's kind of been like a, a middle of the pack running back. You know, has always missed a couple games here and there, but he's never really, you know, had he hasn't led the league in rushing like he did this year. And that, that's a typical Raiders thing to do: not pick up his option, and then he goes out and gives a big fuck you. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why I led us into this talk because I'm absolutely fascinated with this running back draft class that's coming out. So much rather go that direction. I just, you know, I, I, I it was like a little squirrel with a flashing light, you know, I just jumped all over it. So sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Well, we got, we got plenty of time to get into, get in the draft talk. Can't wait. <laughs> Speaking of which, Corey, if you're just like a, uh, if, if you're like a, uh, speaking of running back, if you, if you can, pick up a guy in the seventh round like Isaiah Pacheco in Kansas City, I mean, that always helps. You know, you That's how a, good teams do it. Get a seventh-round running back, and then San Francisco gets a seventh-round quarterback, and look at that. They're both, they're uh, both playing. Let's, let's, not, let's not give <laughs> that seventh-round quarterback any credit. No, I, if we want to talk about that, I've got to say there. Yeah, yeah, obviously. You're both. You're both. <laughs> um, um, but – the, that's where I'm at with the paying the running back thing. Look at all the late round running backs that hit, man. Just don't pay one or draft one. Bijan might be your one exception there, but he's like one in. There's one of those every ten years. And there's a kid down at the uh, University of Mississippi that is a. He's going to be high on my boards. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's done. Found Zach Evans. To, to fawn over for the next few months. I've, dude, I've got a backload. I, <laughs> I cannot wait till we get deep into the February, March time frame and are out here doing mock drafts and, and everything. I, I'm just so excited. I know, you guys know I love me a mock draft. So, Speaking of, uh, we're talking about Kansas City. Uh, what do you guys think about the games this weekend? We got uh, – <laughs> Cincinnati's headed into Burrowhead Stadium with uh, Joe Shiesty against Kansas City and then uh, Philadelphia versus San Francisco. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I've I've got to go KC, but in a narrow margin, no, mainly because I think Mahomes is going to play based on the practice stuff. Um, if Burrow somehow manages to win that game, he becomes QB1. No argument. That's four times. Uh Beating Mahomes in Arrowhead, Burrowhead, whatever you want to call it. He's 3 0 there. And then I've been saying 49ers the whole time out of the NFC, but damn, the Eagles looked good last week. And now I'm second guessing myself. Um, but I think I'm going to. So I think I'm going to flip. I think I'm going to go Eagles. I'm going to go Chiefs, Eagles, Super Bowl. So. 
I, I, I'm, I'm full bore going Cincinnati, going in and upsetting KC again. Um, I just think there's so many that they're just not scared. They, they're not scared of Kansas City. Uh, they know they can beat them. And Joe is just playing like lights out. He's so good. Um, and I, I, I think that it's going to be a fun game. Lots of points scored, but I think that uh, at the end of the day, Cincinnati's defense is a little bit better than Kansas City's defense. So I'm taking the, the Bengals. Line. The O line, though, that's what scares me. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but, you know, I thought that against the Bills, too. So um, I don't know. I'm picking, I'm picking the Bengals, and I am also going to ride with the Eagles. I think that everyone's Mr. Irrelevant darling, Brock Purdy, is going to hit a brick wall uh, and start to look like a seventh-round pick against that Eagles defense. And uh, I think that that's going to be a good game. I don't think it's going to be like a beatdown, but I think that the Eagles are going to take care of business and it's going to be Eagles versus Bengals in the Super Bowl. And um, I plan on um, making uh, a lot of money on DraftKings like I did this past weekend uh, with my DraftKings bets. And boy, I had a good couple days. It's uh, it's it's going around. I think that's that's what I want to see though. I want to see Cincinnati versus uh, Philadelphia, and the Philadelphia San Francisco game is even more interesting because it's D'Amico Ryan's defense and Jonathan Gannon's defense, and it seems like one of those guys is going to get that Houston job. So I, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that that shakes out. But like Corey mentioned, uh, probably going to be getting some action there on DraftKings. Uh, you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. If you're a new customer, you can bet $5 and get $200 in free bets. Bets instantly. If you're not a new customer, check out the stepped-up same-game parlays. You can take your shot at a bigger NFL payout, payout and boost your winning with each leg up to 100%. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championship games and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Guys, shifting gears a little bit. We talked about the other two, but Steve Wilkes, he's the last guy standing uh, that we haven't discussed. And I don't know how much we need to dive into him because we've talked about him, obviously, uh, amongst ourselves for the last 12 weeks. Well, I say that last 12 games of the season. You know, I think the, uh, the elephant in the room is just really what we're wondering is is what his offensive plan is. Defensive coordinator, it doesn't seem like he's going to keep Al Holcomb. I mean, Al Holcomb could stay around as a linebacker's coach. Uh, he has interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator position. Uh, somebody put it out today that I think it might have been Sheena, that uh, the Falcons are also keeping tabs on Wilk's situation as they also need a defensive coordinator. So seems like he could venture down and stay in the NFC South if he doesn't get the Carolina Panthers head coaching job. I mean, I'll say this. Steve did a great job at making this feel like the Carolina Panthers again, or at least getting back to our roots as far as keep pounding, knowing what it means to play for this franchise, a guy who's been around you know, for a long time. He's from the area. I mean, so it means more to him and I, it means more to him than any, any of these candidates. But at the same time, it's like, Corey, you say it best is like, do you want Ron Rivera back here? And that's not a shot at, at either of those guys. I mean, I'm thankful for what Ron did here, but also 
you know, Steve's kind of followed in his footsteps. I mean, he was with him in Chicago, with him in uh, San Diego, was with him here. Um, you know, you look at some of the, the coaching styles throughout the last few games and not being aggressive, and that's what, you know, Ron was, was, was criticized for early on, just being too conservative before he developed the riverboat mantra. And it's like, you know, do, do you want to go through that again? And I, I get that, yeah, he had the, you know, the cards stacked against him. You know, he took over a team that was 1-4 and four and finished 6-6 six and six down the stretch. Uh, and miss the playoffs, but like, how much are you holding the Tampa game against him? Like, you know, what is it that's, I guess, holding you back, Wes, uh, when it comes to Steve Wilkes? I'll, I'll, I'll start by saying that that Twitter gets really, really mad when you say that it's Rivera 2.0. Um, Absolutely. And and I'm not, and and when we say Rivera 2.0, we're not in this like un uneducated like they're the same. They're not. It's not that they're the same. It's that you're signing up for a defensive coordinator who is conservative is going to run the ball a lot and it just does not fit well in what the modern NFL team winning and doing. And I just, it, it showed in the Tampa game that you mentioned and it showed in the last game and that, that, that was ugly ass football. Yes. He managed to go 500 and that's because he got guys to rally around him, whatever. But over a long sustained 17 game season, that locker room hoorah bullshit isn't gonna like that. That's not going to sustain for a whole season as the actual head coach, not the interim head coach. And I just, I don't see it being successful for us. I, I just don't. Um, and so that's, that's negative point number one for Steve. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just, I just, want, I want an offensive-minded head coach for once. It's in the entirety of our franchise to not have one. So I just, I just want to, I want something different. I want a new, I want a shift in, and not, I don't want to shift away from keep pounding. I don't want to shift away from all of it. I want to shift away from the identity of the team as a whole and the offense as a whole. It just, I don't think that we. I don't know. In defense and run the ball. So, and another franchise that comes to mind is is Pittsburgh and uh, Baltimore. It's like when you think of a franchise, like what do you think of? And when you think about Carolina, do you think of you know 2015, for example, where you're putting up you know close to 30 points a game and you have one of the elite defenses in the league? You know that's just like the exception. That's not the rule, right? So it's. Like, what do you think of when you think of, like, Carolina Panthers and, and, and their style and their franchise and what they're all about? I mean, the first thing – I've got a few things that come to mind. I mean, the 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 two-headed monster running back days, back to back to that with D'Angelo and Stewart. Um, that's one of the things that come to mind there and just pound the ball. Um, Cam, where your quarterback is even an extension of your run game. And then – with all of those teams were very good defenses. And and that's, that is what we've been associated with for a long time. Yeah. And okay. There's a lot to unpack here <laughs> um, with what you're talking about, like a team mantra, keep pounding. Um, y- yes. The Carolina Panthers have been ground and pound smash mouth football in our best years. Um, we have had really good defenses and we've ran the ball really well. And I always come back to 
what has it gotten us? We've never had back-to-back winning seasons. We've been to two Super Bowls, and we've gotten beaten in both those Super Bowls. Um, we've had some good times, man. It's 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 it, I obviously am just addicted to this team. I'm like a crack addict for this team for a reason, and we've had good moments. Um, but I just I'm ready. I said I'm ready to change. I'm ready for a shift in mindset. You don't have to be. run the ball 35 times a game and play good defense to win in this league anymore. That that's, that's not what the best teams are doing. Um, That being said, talking about Wilkes. Okay. Couple things I want to say. All right. Unlike some of you fans out there in the ether, if Steve Wilkes were to get the job, I will support him and give him my whole heart and all of my fanhood while he's the head coach. Uh, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to pout. I'm not going to microanalyze every single little thing that he does because he's not the coaching candidate I wanted, okay? I hope he proves me wrong because I'm not on here to be right all the time, all right? That's that's not what I'm about, all right? Some of you are going to take the next head coach, and if it's not Steve Wilkes, you're going to microanalyze every single thing because you think that this team has some kind of vendetta and there's a deeper issue going on. All right, and I want to hope you. I want to clip this and put it all over Twitter because it drives me up the freaking wall. All right, it, it makes me so mad. All right, now Steve Wilkes is the candidate. All right, echo everything that Wes said. Okay, um, I did say something earlier about Frank Wright maybe adapting. All right, if Wilkes gets this job, he is obviously sold David Tepper and the hiring committee on some sort of new and improved offensive plan. None of us know what that looks like, all right? And if he's hired, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. I will let him make his hires, and with I will have an open mind about it, and I will analyze them as they come in. But it has to change. The, the, and if he is hired, there has to be a change in mindset on the offensive side of the ball. The issue I have with Steve Wilkes or any defensive-minded head coach, and I've seen a lot of this going back and forth on Twitter. Again, I don't know why I pay so much attention to Twitter, but it just irks me sometimes. The biggest issue I have with a defensive-minded head coach is if you do get a good offensive coordinator, you are going to only have that good offensive coordinator for two to three, maybe four seasons if you're really lucky, and they're going to get hired away from you. And I'm hearing people say, oh, well, it's on the head coach to develop people and, and develop you know people to, to be play callers. Sure, okay, sure. But if you're not calling the plays or if you're not involved in the offensive side of the ball, you're going to be changing offensive schemes every few cycles. It, 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 it's just the way it is, all right? Look at Belichick. Belichick's probably the greatest coach that's ever lived, the greatest defensive mind that's ever lived. And have you guys seen what's been going on in offense up in – New England the past two seasons is really, really, really ugly. Now they've been good. They made the playoffs last year and they almost they were game away this year. But they they're just not the Patriots that, that we know because they don't have anything on the offensive side of the ball. Call and plays. It sucks. But there's but Bill Belichick is such a good coach that it doesn't matter. He finds ways to win. All right. I'm not saying Steve Wilkes. I don't think Steve Wilkes is Bill Belichick by any stretch of the imagination. 
All right. I just, I want something different for this franchise. I want to move out of the Rivera tree. I don't want to be in that tree anymore. I want somebody who's going to think about offense first because that's what I screamed about the entire time Rivera was here when we had this just phenomenal athlete slash talent slash generational quarterback playing the position. He just did not care about the offensive side of the ball because Cam had us, right? And if he if it had been an offensive coach, it's the biggest what if in Panthers history. If we had had an offensive minded head coach during the career, how different would we have been? The biggest what if I will forever question that's going to haunt me till the day I die. So if Wilkes is hired, I'll support him unequivocally. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's been a revolving door at uh, offensive coordinator for the last, what, 12 years outside of the Mike Shula era, and there's a reason Mike Shula didn't get hired away. So let's just, you know, clear that up. I mean, he had 2015, sure, but there's a reason why Mike Shula, you know, got ended up getting let go, uh, told me bring in North Turner, and then, you know, we know how that ended up going with, with Cam getting hit in the shoulder. Uh, and that's another thing. I mean, Frank Wright has ties to North Turner, has ties to, you know, Scott Turner even, um, you know, so that's a name to watch. But you're you're right, Corey. I mean, outside of, say, 2015 or the, or the Cam years, you know, what was the identity of the Carolina Panthers on offense? I mean, uh, Chudzinski, you know, we we had that high-powered offense Cam's rookie year, and he got a head coaching job, and he didn't last long. And then it was Shula, and then it was uh, Norv, and then it was Scott, and then it was uh, Joe Brady, and then it was Jeff Nixon, and then Ben McAdoo, and it's like – you know, where where's that guy to 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 carve out the you know the offensive side of the ball? The defense side, you know, it gets seems like it gets remade like every three years and it's it's back to where it was. It's like when's that coming for offense? And I, I get that. I get I get why fans want it, I get why you want it, I get why we want it. You know, it's 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 no longer a ground and pound game in the National Football League. Like, yes, you have to have it, but it's you know, give me excitement. Give me an offense that players want to come play in. Like, why do you think Lamar Jackson is so pissed about at, at Baltimore? Like, because Greg Roman is a terrible offensive coordinator. And they are the – they run the ball more than anybody in the NFL. Yeah, and so that's why their quarterback doesn't want to play on a on an injured leg, especially when he doesn't have a guaranteed contract or you know, doesn't have a contract, period. And that's why they can't attract receivers and – I mean, it's, hell, maybe that's why we couldn't attract receivers back in the day when Cam had Cheeseburger Eddie at wide receiver one. Yeah, Ted Ginn, Jericho Cotchery, Brenton Burson, you know, Nene. Philly Brown, <laughs> those guys. I mean, that's what we were working with, and you never could get that elite guy. It's like, why would, would they not want to come here and play with Cam? Well, that's not – wasn't it. wasn't Cam – Partly because we were spending money like idiots, but also at the same time, you know, you, you need somebody who is going to be appealing to these guys who, who want to put up big numbers. Like DeAndre Hopkins, they're talking about him possibly going to New England. Yeah, whoever, Bill O'Brien inherits DeAndre Hopkins. You know, that's that's funny because that was the guy who who traded him away. So I don't I doubt that would even happen. But like I'm saying, that, like people pay attention to these situations. It's like, yeah, maybe Wilkes plan. We don't know it, but but maybe it is to solve the issue. But you're right, Corey. Like once that coordinator gets hired away, you know, what if somebody hires your quarterback's coach away? So there's nobody to fill into that role, and then your whole offensive identity is gone. 
and that's a worry. But if your head coach is calling the plays, then you know what's sticking around. And one thing that I will add on the Wilkes thing, and, and, and people are going to put way too much stock into this, but if we don't hire Wilkes, you're probably going to see a lot of these guys that, that, that fans like seeing around not be around anymore. Practices, games, um, hanging out on Twitter talking about it. But, but that's okay. It's, it's okay to move on from players. It's okay to, to, that your favorite player doesn't still show up to practice um, because it's about winning games now. And so that's, that's another thing I wanted to add to the Wilkes thing. Yeah, I mean, thank you, uh, thank you for that, Wes. Thank you. That's uh, perfectly said. Thank you. And a lot of those guys played for Wilkes, so that's why you're seeing it. And so I, I get why they're backing him. They're going to support their guy. But, you know, I mean, it's not like he's – in this case, it's not like uh, – let's take go with Kevin Moore. It's not like they're going with somebody who you know, doesn't know what this organization is about, you know, doesn't have yeah. – you know, never lived in Charlotte. So, I mean, yeah. And and, and – I love Luke. I love Greg. I love Jay Stu. I love a lot of these guys that are that are speaking out for Wilkes. But they're gone. And the most vocal guy in that locker room is number seven, and he may not be back. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this too. 95% of the vocalness for Wilkes is coming out, out of one side of the locker room. DJ said the one thing the one time. Otherwise, nothing. And that speaks volumes. That honestly speaks way more to me than the fact that defensive guys are sticking up for him is the fact that you don't see a whole lot of the offs saying much. Well, this is the biggest takeaway. It's, where's the interview request at, from the other teams? Bingo. The only one mentioned is the defensive coordinator for your one of your biggest rivals. The only interview possibly mentioned that hasn't even been scheduled yet. Like Indianapolis seems like that would be a good fit. You know, at least somebody that would speak with them. I mean, not Arizona because we know how that went. Uh, Houston. I mean, D'Amico, D'Amico, by all accounts, is a better defensive candidate. Right. But to not even put an interview request in for this guy? And he, I mean, and he's a finalist here, and that's really only in, in part because of the success he had last season. But see, the, this. This brings me to a point that I that Matt will tell you that I have made for years and years and years with not only this organization, but this fan base. And it's part of the reason why I always give Tepper the benefit of the doubt because I don't think he's like this. But our fan base is still 100% like this. And I might make people mad by saying this, and I really don't care, honestly, because I don't, I don't do this to make anybody happy. But like, but myself – this fan base gets attached to like good guys. Right. And I I think that in every organization you have to have good guys, like genuine people. But at the end of the day, like we've passed on players, we've passed on things that could have made us much better and brought us wins because of a reputation or them having a checkered past. All right. But Wilkes is such a good guy and is uh, just a great man and people latch onto that and they don't care that if we're just mediocre because we have a great leader of men leading this team who's a great person in our community blah 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 dude i don't care. you can miss me with all that i want to win i and, want to and, win <laughs> and everyone's talking 
and that's the point I've seen about Wilkes. No one has talked about coaching ability. It's he's a great leader of men, and like that's what you want your head coach to be. He's a great locker room leader, and that your coordinators are for the other stuff. It's like we just had somebody who was supposed to be that person, the leader, the locker room leader, the the rah rah um, salesman of the of that. That's what Matt Rule was. We just had that. I'm not saying that Matt Rule and 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 Wilkes are the same person. Don't misconstrue that at all. I want somebody who is tactically very, very, very good in that head coaching role because they establish your scheme. And if your coordinator is good and leaves, it stays the same. If you want to get people back to like caring about the team and caring about the Panthers, put an entertaining product on the field. Don't nobody's going to show up to to watch, you know, running the ball 30 times a game and, and, and doing all this. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a great leader, but it doesn't matter if you're not, making smart coaching decisions on the field. And I'm not put, directing this just at Wilkes at all, but, you know, you, you look at, at Rule, for example. I mean, the coaching decisions just were awful. The, the time management is awful. Like, you, give me something to get excited about. Like, so say Frank Wright comes in here and he hires, an, you know, an all-star staff or, or Steve Wilkes hires an all-star staff. You know, great. You know, that'll get fans back in here. But don't tell me the guy deserves a job just because he's a he's a great leader Great leaders it isn't beating the Steelers when you need to win a fucking game to get into the playoffs. And it sure as hell isn't getting fans in the stadium because it was 70% away fans this season. So don't tell me that you know him being coached this year did anything regardless of the start because it didn't get the fans back in the stadium. That's for damn sure. No, it doesn't. And and I've said it on here before, but as someone who, like, you know, I've spent a few years coaching youth football and now I'm making the transition into high school. Um, you know, I'm around kids all day and they don't give two single solitary, you know, what's about the Carolina Panthers right now. Who do they like? Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. They, they don't care about. <laughs> the Panthers because they're boring. They're mid. Like if you run the ball 35 times a game, you're not getting people that are, you're not getting a casual fan. All right. To, to come watch that product. And yeah. it's, it's just tough, man. You, you make a good point, Corey. And it's something I haven't talked about in years, but you know, I, I go back in my mind to 2015, right? Cause obviously, and you know, however many games we ended up going to that year and, I just remember being at the NFC Championship game, and you're you're looking around, and you're just like, man, this this is like the birth of Panthers fans. Like this is this is something like people can support because I mean, Corey, you think back to like 2013, say that that Giants game when we were sitting at 0 and 2, and we're there. It's like, yeah, we we dealt with the fair weather, the fair weather fans. Like that's that's it. Like that's what this fan base really is when you boil it when it when it boils down. It's it, it's fair weather. When when we're good, you come out and support. When we're bad, you guys are you care more about the tailgate than you do about the you know who's playing that game. And that's and that's why you know you can tell me Charlotte's a transplant city and all this bullshit, but you can still show up to the games. I mean, by week three, if they're zero and two, they've done mailed it in. It, it doesn't matter. They, Panthers fans, and I put that in, in air quotations, will will talk shit to Panthers fans. And it's it's like why? It's just because you're not winning, but I'm going to support the team. Yeah, it's 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 nothing. Like 
I'm, I'm, it's a long winded answer. It's, I'm just, I'm trying to say that if you want to unite people and get people excited about the product on the field, you have to make decisions. And Dave Tepper is trying to make the right decision for this franchise because you know he does not feel good about being mocked and being a joke of, uh, you know, the national media and Scott Fowler's articles that he, he brought up. You know, Dave Tepper wants to win. He bought this to be able to win. He left the Steelers as a minority owner, a franchise that, you know, is one of the winningest in all of football to come here. He, he is a self-made billionaire. This guy knows nothing but winning. If you think he wants to waste his money to put a mediocre product on the field or he's, you know, he has something against one of the candidates, like, that's bullshit. That's the dumbest thing you could think. Like, yeah, Tepper's not made the, the best decisions in the past few years. I mean, when he came in, he was everywhere, and he was doing everything right and saying everything we wanted to hear. But I think now he's realized, like, hey, I can't do this my way, and having somebody like Scott is helpful in that. But he's he's not going to please everybody. Nobody is going to be happy with who the hire is regardless. And I said that the other day. It's You have to do, at the end of the day, what you think is the right decision. And if it boils down to Reich and Wilkes, they both have ties to the area, so you're going to appeal to a certain – you're going to appeal to everybody there. But you have offense versus defense, and people are going to get latched on to what Wilkes did those last few weeks and, you know, the reclamation project and, you know, bouncing back from his time in Arizona. And, and, and people are going to just be like, oh, well, see, Tepper doesn't care about us. He doesn't care about the franchise. He doesn't know anything. It's That's not it at all. Like, if he went with Frank Reich – just means he's qualified. He's got more experience. He's he's offense. Like he he has the vision that Tepper wants. And at the end of the day, like that's, I, I think I would rather go with that guy. Like give me that guy who's going to take the risk and and bring in an offense that's proven to have worked in the past and who he's coached with. Like versus the guy who's got one year in Arizona and was did wrong, done wrong, but he came here and was took over a one and four team and finished five hundred. Like yeah, that's okay. Ron Rivera had three winning seasons in his time here. But he some of y'all act like he's the greatest coach that's ever lived. Yeah. I mean, he, he won three division titles. And, like, that just shows you, like, yeah, our history is two Super Bowls and, you know, winning the NFC South, but we haven't had sustained success. And I think that's what Cam talked about last year in his exit interview. Like, you know, this this team, this franchise hasn't ever known sustained success. We don't know what that's like. We're happy with – a division title here every three or four years. And like, so they see 500 like, yeah, give us that. Like, no, the league is set up to go 500 or it was until they changed how many games. And I'm going to tell you, dude, like I would rather bet over and over again on an offensive mind and becoming dynamic. than I would, Retread, tired, defensive, safe, conservative football coaches. I don't care if we get it wrong. Keep betting on the young, offensive, innovative minds or just an offensive mind in Frank Reich's case. Keep betting on offense over and over and over again until you get that guy. You, you That's what I want. And you don't hear these things like Kyle Shanahan, for example, right? Like Kyle could have made up tons of excuses. He's went through Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, a seventh round, last pick of the draft. Like he, he's just a guy who's ran out Nate Sudfield before. 
but like he's never made up excuses. He still put up points. But that, that's the difference of having an offensive guy. Like if you give a defensive guy Brock Purdy right now, I I doubt that they are where they are. Hundred percent. And I say all this too, not that it matters to anybody. I say all this too, but now I'm a defensive coordinator and I coach secondary, <laughs> right? So I'm a defensive guy, but I just know what the NFL is. And and to your point, Matt, once just since the 49ers are doing this with that situation at quarterback because they have a good coach that has a good system. So just think about that. And they had our they have our running back. Well, yeah. But. So I mean, so where where is our excuse? Like, where are you going to put that at? We weren't putting up 20, 28, 30 points. Because you can't you can't tell me that Purdy is than than Sam. You really you really can't. And if you want to come at me for that, come at me. Go go right ahead. I will I will argue with you all day because they're the only thing that Purdy does a little bit better is not turn the ball over. It's about scheme. Scheme. And he has playmakers around him. Our pay, our playmakers, which since everybody wants to think that DJ Moore is, we've talked about this, and, and, and Wes, I can let you lead the charge here, but everybody talks about playmakers, and DJ Mid. Moore is, is, is our version of that. Mid, to use Corey's word. You could you could have had DJ Moore and, and Christian McCaffrey doing what Debo and, and CMC are doing out there. Like you, you really could. You had no excuse. We had Curtis Samuel with DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, and what did we do? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> we stayed loyal. We 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 stayed loyal. We showed loyalty to our guys. Paid Shaq like sixty million dollars. Paid Dante Jackson. We didn't pay Hassan Reddick, who has every case right now to be Defensive Player of the Year. Stephon Gilmore, gone. Quit making dumb decisions. Yeah, but we drafted. But we drafted. We we drafted Dante though, and I don't. Yeah, yeah. We we like Dante. But run it, run his mouth, and and get beat or get hurt. This this has gone off the rails like it normally does. (laughs) We we just hit the point where we just just get fed up. But it fires me up, man. Because and I'm not calling anybody out specifically on this podcast but there's just this section of our fan base that thinks that way and it's loyalty to us above all else and if you don't agree with them then you're wrong or you're some kind of other awful person and you have alternative motives and it's just like nah man that's not it at all and it just it irks me so much on a daily basis it makes me so mad like I'm so ready for this coaching search to be done and have a guy in place. Tired of hearing about it, but then I know that I'm going to hear about it all off season. And every little minor mistake that gets made in the first few games is going to get rehashed. Oh well, it should have been this guy. It should have been this guy. Blah 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 blah. So just be better. Be better. Yeah, and I mean I'll. If 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 Wilkes is the choice, I'm gonna support it. I'll give it some time. After rule hiring, I gave it some time, and then I started to bitch about it. Uh huh. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, look around right now and tell me who are the top two or three defensive minded head coaches right now. 
It's Belichick. Belichick, Tomlin, Tomlin. McDermott. Yeah. And they want McDermott gone in Buffalo after Saturday. <laughs> so you so you got one team that out of those three that made the playoffs. Bill hasn't been back since he lost Tom. Is that right? Not mm-hmm. him and Mac didn't go last year. And I mean Tomlin, you know, gave it his best run. He hasn't had a losing season, so I give him that, but it helps to have a Hall of Fame quarterback back there. And I mean, case in point here, let's take a look at the Jaguars when they hired a, a good offensive mind to put around their good, their good quarterback, their young, good quarterback, which is what we're Someone trying to find. Someone who for last offseason. Yeah. When nobody so. wanted, nobody wanted Doug Peterson. And then what does he proceed to do? Win the fucking division. Yep. Who also, coached, who coached it, with Doug Peterson? Frank Reich, mm-hmm. from first pick to divisional round in one season. Ridley coming in and back to back, back to back first picks. Yeah. Yes. So first pick, first pick, and then divisional round. Just give give the head coach a give an offensive minded head coach a franchise quarterback or a young a, a shot at a at a young one. At least a lottery ticket, yeah. And, I mean, we've talked about a little bit about names here, and there's some names that make more sense with depending on which guy you go with, I think. Oh, we can't wait to get into that. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. God. The, the, the clips are already being being posted on Twitter. I'll let y'all <laughs> dive into that. I'll just, I'll just mediate it. I'll just moderate I cannot wait for the the, the Bryce Young CJ Stroud episode. We're gonna have to have a whole episode on it. Yeah, for sure. Good. Well, well I'll, I'll touch briefly on it since y'all brought it up. But uh, I think it was Ben Albright was on Julian Council's podcast, and his quote was that Tepper says that uh, Stroud is the guy. I'm I'm doing handshake emoji. What Wesley and 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 Tepper right here. Look, I mean, I'm going to be like, you know, that's good. Uh, I mean, I know that Bryce is my guy, and we're going to have a whole episode about it. But if, you know, especially if it's Frank Reich and you compare either one of those guys in his offense, then sign me up, man. Sign me the heck up. Yeah, and we mentioned AR. Um, I don't think he really fits well in that offense. He's more of a Steichen type offense guy, but. No, I'm, I'm with you there. But if you right. go Wilkes, if you go Wilkes and and bring in somebody like Brian Johnson, then then AR may make sense. Yeah. Somebody needs to go back and watch that Thursday night game, Philadelphia and Carolina. I want to say 2017, when Carson Wentz was headed towards an MVP before getting hurt late in the year, and then what they did, they proceed to win a Super Bowl with Nick fucking Foles. Nine inch Nick, baby. That was uh, Frank Reich at OC. That was a guy who went Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger. 
Oh, all right. Yeah, let's wrap this up. I think we, yeah. we, we've said enough on this episode. Hopefully we have a, a decision on the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers by the week's end. Today's Wednesday. You guys will be listening to this tomorrow on Thursday, so news may break tomorrow around lunch. Who knows? If we don't hear something this week, do you think that means Steichen still has a chance? If we don't, if we don't hear anything by Sunday, then yes, because he can't technically interview till Monday. My guess would be, yes, he would still be alive. I, don't I just think I, that I, I, I still think, I think if he had, that it would have been at least put out that we were bringing him here Monday. We would have been like first, like, "Hey, get him here Monday." For so, sure, I think we, I think we would have heard something by now. I honestly, I'm going to think that we're going to wake up and at some point tomorrow, they're going to name a guy. That's my thought. I think Reich interviewed last, and that's what I said earlier tonight. I think that like that, that was obviously something to just read into. Like, why would you – Wilkes has gone early both times. Yeah. Like, I mean, this this go-around, too, why would he – you you interview him on, like, a Tuesday night and then not announce that you're doing second-round interviews until Wednesday, and then you start him? It's just I, – I don't know. This, this is strange, but, hey, maybe that's how they wanted to do it since Wilkes is, Wilkes is here in the area and they didn't have to arrange any travel, but, I'm, you know, who knows? Reich's probably been here, too. Just interesting, that's all. Any uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap this up? Nothing here. No, I'm hoping for Reich. That's my new stance. That's where we're at. So, you guys, we, we've talked for about an hour and 20 minutes. You guys know where we stand. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out over the next couple of days. Never a dull moment here in Carolina Panthers world. Appreciate you guys. Let's do this. We'll catch you next week.